Hello and welcome to another episode of the Streaming Wars podcast. We have a great episode um, for today. We're going to talk a little bit about the FX on Hulu officially launching on March 2nd. Obviously, I know uh, we're recording this definitely later than that, but talking about the success of that, um, Devs, one of the early shows on FX on Hulu, what exactly that is, and again, why it could be a huge player in the future. Also talking about Netflix, we didn't talk about it in our last episode, but Netflix released released its top 10. We'll go over that um, as of today's date, which is March 15th. So what is Netflix's top 10 and what does that exactly mean for the future of streaming? And again, what that information actually should be depicted as. Um, and then also reality TV got really a big boost with the Love is Blind series with Netflix. So we're going to dive into that and what is reality TV. Um, but as I mentioned, we're going to start with the FX on Hulu, but before we get into really anything, I want to address the uh, the main uh, reason why this is episodes and these episodes will be a little bit different is that uh, with the spread of coronavirus, that obviously is is the major news. Every single podcast, every single news outlet, um, and really anywhere you go, this is the top story. And again, of course, it is affecting the streaming wars, although in a much different way. Um, we're going to have a whole episode on this uh, on how coronavirus is affecting the streaming wars, the movie industry, all that coming soon. So expect that to be coming out. Uh, but today, to put again, as I mentioned, but today's episode, I want to focus more on the actual news that is some that is without uh, the coronavirus infected um, or elements of it and being affected by it. So right now, I want to start off with the FX on Hulu. It launched March second. Um, we knew this announcement obviously before when uh, Disney announced it originally. That Hulu, um, which obviously is owned by Disney, uh, and is going to be a big part of what Disney's streaming service success will be, um, is combining obviously FX, one of the uh, Century Twenty One first uh, Fox operations that they purchased, that now they have control over. So instead of just letting that kind of be by itself, they figured, hey, we need all hands on deck. They're going to bring it into the streaming wars, um, and they did so at least what they hope effectively. So again, March 2nd, which obviously right now, as I mentioned today, we're recording March 15th, um, obviously is already into effect. So as of right now, if you're, whenever you're listening to this, uh, you can obviously go on Hulu right now and it will be available. FX on Hulu brings a lot of new shows to uh, to Hulu. A lot of the FX um, originals are going to be the next la- layer of that. So uh, FX on Hulu is a, again kind of an HBO-esque level, um, more mature content, of course, but also more of the higher class. This FX has won a lot of Golden Globes, won Emmys. This is, again, the next tier. This is not, obviously, uh, a a Disney property that is Marvel, Star Wars. This is, again, more in the uh, HBO stars realm where you kind of get more, or at least different material in uh, in that sense. Um, But one of the most popular shows in the first show that originally launched... Um, when FX went onto Hulu, was was Dev starring uh, Nick Offerman in the sci-fi show drama? Um, again, right now that is being the uh, out of again right now where we're at the most successful show that they have right now, um, at least from this platform. It's the only one that they've released uh, through the FX on Hulu. Um, again, a big uh, the big event of what will happen is is. Does this turn into something where this is must-watch TV? And we'll see if that does work out. But right now, it looks like Hulu has been positive in the sense that they have been able to take this FX channels and the, the programming that they have 
and turn it into original content for the streaming service. Hulu has been lower tiers, you can say, uh, of original content. Of course, they had Handmaid's Tale, Castle Rock, um, and other uh, shows that are originals and that were successful, but they have they did not have near amount of original content to the level of Netflix um, or Amazon Prime Video. So they had to up it, and, and by doing that, partnering yourself with one of the major companies with FX, that is a huge boost up. That is not, you know, it's much easier for your, for yourself to do that when you have a company like that under your control. So again, FX on Hulu seems to be something that's working at least to this point and, and, and it will continue. Obviously, uh, Little Fires Everywhere starring um, Kerry Washington and Car- um, Kerry Washington will be starring in it um, as well as Reese, uh, Reese Witherspoon, which will be coming out on Hulu, uh, FX on Hulu, again, just on Hulu. Uh, March 17th, so that's kind of their other major show that they have, at least marketing-wise, uh, to hopefully be a success. So again, could that be the show that uh, kind of brings in more people to Hulu? Again, that will be evident in the future. But again, just to, before we go off to our next topic on Netflix, for where we'll spend majority of the show uh, or this episode talking about them, I want to get into kind of why FX on Hulu is important. By partnering, again, this major company of FX and a major company in Hulu, although within themselves, kind of the second tier um, in, in their respective categories, right? HBO probably is your deemed top class and maybe FX is your second tier. Um, and Netflix is your top class for streaming services. Hulu is your second tier. And by partnering those together, Disney is able to be able, uh, is able to right now bring together two major companies that are maybe not where they need to be right now, where Disney eventually wants them to be, which is on top, of course, and that's where you get the most revenue share, by partnering them together, exclusive content to help each other boost up. Um, And again, we'll see if that's evident in the future. FX on Hulu is still obviously very new, less than a month into it. Um, And I I said devs right now, again, the show on uh, FX on Hulu is successful, is it's not right now close to a Mandalorian or House of Cards or Orange is the New Black yet, but it's getting to a point where if you have Hulu, I think this is something that is going to help you keep Hulu. And that, at the end of the day, is a very, as much as you want to continue to add subscribers, one, part of that will just continue to happen because people will buy Hulu from just knowing the brand, but it's also going to be just the population increases of the people wanting to have streaming services, so you're going to see numbers go up. But keeping Hulu is important as well. You cannot just go in on adding subscribers because you've got to keep those that you already have. So by bringing in FX on Hulu, you're bringing in a substantial amount of content and original content. Again, original content really was a place where Hulu kind of lacked compared to its uh, competitor in Netflix. Even Disney Plus, obviously, a lot of the original content that Disney Plus went out with was top stuff. So again, Hulu being able to get into that market and partnering with, and I say partnering, but really just helping each other and FX, of course, both of them now Disney-owned companies, using them together to help each other move up. Um, We'll see if, of course, I know a lot of the last episode was talking about what exactly um, the idea of, or what exactly Disney Plus's own content, the Marvel Disney Channel uh, original content, um, will play into Hulu, and that's another part of it. But right now, the FX on Hulu kind of was a perfect pairing because FX, we know it's adult-themed content. Hulu, that's more of the adult-themed streaming channel. Again, not that there's obviously not kids' uh, content on Hulu, but it's obviously geared for more adult content. So partnering those up, 
basically it was a very smart decision on uh, on Disney's part. Of course, the questions start to come up with what about the other stuff? And that's again the question that if you want to go back to our last episode talked about what exactly that means for Disney and all that, but obviously we will not get back into that. Um uh, before we get into the break, I want to mention real quick uh Netflix's top 10. They've released that recently. I want to t- talk about what exactly that means. Now, before we get into naming the top 10 and evaluating which are original content, why is that important, um, I want to talk about why, before we even get into, again, why, why certain things are where they are, we have to understand why the data is like that. What does the data actually mean? And is there even data that we know about it right now? So last year, uh, Netflix's top movie was Murder Mystery starring Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Um, which would be a surprise to probably a lot of people because, one, I would say that many people probably have not watched that movie. Two, they probably know the movie, maybe clicked on it for a couple minutes, but don't know exactly, really, and watched it from start to finish. And that brings up the point of why I want to mention it before we get into the top ten because Netflix, is, Netflix isn't clear about what the data actually means. What are they referring as a view? Is this based off views? Is this some algorithm that they have? There is very little data shared with the public about the amount of views that are being, or the top 10 that is uh, basically that this is based off of. So, is a view, and again, for example, we see that a view could be little as if you just click on it, is that counting as a view? Are you, your subscription account, are you one person that has now watched that video? Are they counting it as a one video? Or if you've watched it from start to finish, is that a different level of view? Does that count as one whole view? Is that if you're, again, we're not, I'm not going to bore you in guess, and I don't, and I have no idea about what a view or what they're basing this off of. So before we even get into the top ten, we have to understand that because this information may not just be correct, uh, may not be correct. It, it, it could, of course, have biases to what Netflix is one. Again, it could, though. I would say that it's not to the point where you would say, "Wait a minute, no one's watching that show." I would assume that there's obviously a lot of legitimacy behind it, but I would also caution to say that there is definitely motives that probably support one or the other. So right now, I'll name the top 10 as of March 15th, 2020, uh, the top 10 in the United States, and kind of we'll evaluate what that means, and then obviously we'll head into the break and talk a little bit about one particular show that I am going to mention in this top 10. So number one right now is Spencer Confidential. Number two is On My Block. Number three, Law School. Number four is Love is Blind. Number five, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Six is Elite. Seven is Outbreak. Eight, The Angry Birds Movie. Two, nine, Space Jam. Ten, Dirty Money. So out of the top ten, seven of those are original Netflix originals. Obviously, as I just mentioned, the biases to it, I am not saying that those seven are not, or those ten may not be rightfully those ten. But I am saying that obviously we're seeing that People, when they see the Netflix original content, usually lean towards clicking on it because it's new and it's by a company that they think that their algorithm usually suggests it for them. So that, again, gets a little bit more of, wait, okay, I want to click on this because something's recommended to me and I believe that that source or the algorithm has really kind of helped me find different shows and such. Um, But again, evaluating number one, Spencer Confidential starring Mark Wahlberg, was a big kind of movie for Netflix. They wanted to obviously put a lot of, uh, it's it's an action movie, it's a comedy movie, drama, all the things that they kind of want to throw into. And it kind of reflects the movie sense um, of the past. I know that streaming services usually are different than the movie uh, if you go into the- a theatrical release. But just as we mentioned the last couple months, 
award season, usually you have your Oscar-nominated movies around that time, so you kind of get your more sophisticated, quote-unquote, movies that are going to be nominated for the awards. But usually March, April, May, you kind of get your action movies, some drama, comedy movies where they're not going to be up for awards, but they're movies that you think are going to be appealing to people. Um, and then obviously summer, you kind of have your summer blockbusters with your action action movies. You know, you're, you got a lot of these the movies that people are going to watch and such because obviously it's summer more people have time to watch it thing with streaming services they don't always reflect that because it's not always a theatrical there's very little impact on the theatrical release so they don't have to directly line up with what other companies have but nevertheless they usually find similar patterns because usually people want that kind of stuff at that time so Spencer Confidential it makes sense that they would be number one it also had a big media push there was a lot of interviews and this was something that they were looking forward to um, on Netflix's behalf and obviously we're not going to go through every single show, but 7 out of the 10 is a very important number because that's not just the majority, that's 70% of the majority, which is a good amount of number considering that Netflix has tons of content on there. But nevertheless, I want to talk about the three that weren't Netflix originals, Outbreak, Angry Angry Birds Movie 2, and Space Jam. This is the comfort content that we have really talked a lot about in effect. Um, The Office, Friends... Obviously, those are office. Uh, those are comfort content in the sense of shows, but movies are just as important, especially when we talk about the timing of hey, I want to just turn something on. Okay, it's a Friday night. I don't really want to watch any of this. I'm not interested in the show. Just put on a movie, and then you have this available. That is a much. In, that's a very different layer than we talked about usually on the show. When we think of comfort content, we think of television, The Office, Friends, and etc. As we mentioned. But now this is another layer of it, which is why Disney on its side has been so successful with the comfort content because they really dominate the comfort content in the movie section. You can watch Bambi. You can watch the latest Star Wars movie. Uh, I assume not The Rise of Skywalker. But you can watch a Star Wars movie. You can watch a Marvel movie. You can watch a Pixar movie. You can watch all the comfort content you want. They have the majority of that. And that's where this kind of is different from the sense that it is very important to have comfort movies. It is not just important to have comfort shows, but comfort content in general. So balancing that out. Um, We'll see if it turns out that more as we'll evaluate. Again, we won't go through every week um, on this show and kind of do an update of it. But we will if there is something noticeable. If I do look and evaluate, hey, wait, they're all top 10 or Netflix originals or Maybe Netflix originals only are up by one or two. We'll talk a little bit about that in the future weeks. Just something to base it off of. Um, right now, we're going to head to the break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the shows that I mentioned, Love is Blind, reality TV in the streaming service, what that exactly means. And we'll get that when we come back. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm one of the hosts of Massive Late Fee. Do you remember Blockbuster? Well, we do, and we racked up a lot of late fees there. That's why we're glad there's things like Netflix, Hulu, and Blockbuster has died, mostly because of us. We cover streaming shows and pretty much whatever we want. Join us every Thursday as we talk TV and movies on Massive Late Fee. You can find us at Massive Late Fee on Twitter, Massive Late Fee on Facebook, you can email the show at massivelatefee at gmail.com, and you can find us at MySpace, Massive Late Fee. Massive Late Fee, the best podcast we can think of. Welcome back to the Streaming Wars Podcast. As I mentioned before the break, I want to quickly dive into what exactly and what really is the Love is Blind show. It has been a phenomenon so far, social media, and it again is trending on uh, Netflix as one of its top 10 shows. So it's very important to kind of evaluate 
what exactly it is. And it's new. It's odd that it's succeeding, right? Uh, when I talk about the majority of shows on streaming services, we talk about TV shows and movies. Those are content that directly is going to be kind of the biggest things. The Irishman was a movie. It was not a television show, but it could still have been a television show and people would have watched it. We know that. But the interesting thing about this is that reality TV is kind of one of the things that has still been hanging on to cable network. We just recently, you know, if you are someone that watches a lot of reality TV, The Bachelor recently had a big push, obviously. Social media and, and pop culture really, again, is still holding on to shows like The Bachelor, uh, Survivor, and things that are still on these cable networks because this is something that is one of the originals of, you know, when you think of the institutions of cable, some of the longest-running shows on cable right now are reality TV shows. They play harder on uh, streaming services because it's harder to watch these things when you have content that is released um, all at once. So reality TV, you know, it's part of it is the anticipation. We, we have to wait until what, to see what's next. Um, and again, you can see with The Bachelor, things like that, you know, it's primetime TV. That's where the name comes from because it is this time it's going to be on and everyone's going to watch because everyone's been in anticipation for it. So it's harder to do that when you have a show that is all there. So when you can start to watch it whenever you want and finish it whenever you want. That's a much different element. You know, it's, you know I would say majority of people, if you had to say, hey, go back and watch season 17 of Survivor and watch it all the way through, many people aren't going to be as interested in it because it's the moment. What exactly is happening now? So it's interesting to see that a show, Love is Blind, Succeeding like this, Love and Love is Blind. Um, again, it's based off. It's another reality TV show that you know. Again, if you've watched it, you know what it's about. Um, but more importantly, it's a reality TV show, nevertheless. And that's why it's important to evaluate. Well, how is this? Why is this succeeding? What makes this one different than everything else that we've talked about? Because again, Netflix has tried multiple times at reality TV, but why is this one? succeeding and that's that's the element that we kind of haven't talked about a great deal to to kind of get into um and, and so this is why I want to get into it uh love is blind right now released in a different way than we've talked a lot about these other shows they love is blind had 10 episodes with the finale airing on February 27th 3 weeks of the 10 episodes were released that is the key element right there it was not all released at once Reality TV is does best when it has time and anticipation and communication. It is humans watching other humans and supposedly you know this live interaction. So you need that element of waiting, not just this instant satisfaction of okay, what happens, what happens, because then there's really no element of communal experience where you can't be like okay, what day does this come out? Okay, February 27th. Okay, that's when it announces. Okay, March 15th. That's when the reunion will happen. Okay, we can go and, and do that. So there we have this Netflix starting to adapt to Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, and even Hulu. This idea that content is going to start to, and certain content will work in a way that is going to be more planned. Netflix did not release this all at once. That is a huge development in the streaming wars because when you release a content all at once, again, we know that people just go right through that. 
And when you go right through that, there's less conversations, there's less podcasts talking about it. If, you're, if we were a podcast covering Love is Blind over that period, well, we would have a whole episode leading up to that March 5th, and there would be excitement. And then as soon as March 5th hit, just like The Mandalorian, people could watch it, have a podcast directly talking about it. Social media could be talking about it. This buzz that they were able to create is much different. And we're starting to see Netflix, this is a prime example, adapt to the other companies that they're in the streaming wars. This may seem like a small thing in it. I understand that, okay, well, why do I care about this Love is Blind reunion um, on March 5th? I, I don't like reality TV. Nevertheless, the idea that Netflix is willing to adapt to understand that this is something that fits the market. Waiting, precision, and releasing episodes slowly is something that allows people who have not watched the show to then watch the show catch up and still be able to watch it with their friends. That is a huge element of reality TV. Now, we'll see if they ever adapt it to the future shows. We probably will not see that. I, I would doubt that Netflix would go to a show or at least a, a, a setup where they have, you know, hey, this is when we're going to release the episodes for streaming or uh, for Stranger Things, excuse me. Um, and that's when it would be occurring. I doubt that that occurs. I would say that they keep this model for shows like Love is Blind for reality TV. And again, I'm not saying that if they didn't do, um, you know, it, it, this was a big hit just because of the delayed days and the, and the certain times and the waiting and not the serial episodes. But I am saying that it does help much more than just releasing these episodes and having them just out there. I think Netflix did a very good job with this. And we're going to see if other keep other uh, companies, other streaming wars companies, will start to do this. Disney Plus um, doesn't have reality TV um, in the sense that they have like a bachelor on that. Obviously, it's much more kids-friendly on Disney Plus. So they do have those shows that are coming out. They have the Star Wars show um, that is going to be releasing again weekly. They're going to have this method. So again... Nailed It, a show that's a cooking show right now on uh, Netflix, is a show that's released all at once. We'll see if they start to go to a more seasonal episode by episode, but yet that's not the same in the sense that, because again, Love is Blind was kind of a whole Bachelor-esque thing where it took a whole season to start to finish it. Shows that are maybe did, you know in one episode kind of set by itself, those shows maybe will continue to release uh, all at once. So interesting approach. I wanted to mention it because I think a lot of people obviously wanted to talk about it because again, Love is Blind was such an odd phenomenon considering that reality TV has really never done as well as it has on a, a streaming network. So it's very important to talk about that because it is a development in the streaming wars. Um, and obviously another element to it is sports and live sports really will be the last thing, as I mentioned, that is kind of holding on to stay with the cable network. And then again, of course, uh, cable networks that will start to renegotiate um, with the NFL to talk about the future of the NFL games um, and other sports games and NBA. Uh, I just mentioned NFL because that is the one that is coming up pretty shortly. So again, that we will discuss a little bit. Not obviously, it's not coming up in the next couple of days, but in the, in the months and future years ahead. So we'll get that, of course, when that comes out. But again, other elements of the streaming wars are occurring. So uh, Quibi, even, I wanted to mention real quick, they are obviously forming a huge amount of momentum, obviously moving into this period where streaming networks are kind of all starting to kind of repeat itself. Uh, HBO Max obviously sets her launch later. Peacock, basically just different versions and different channels. That's what I would call them, channels of the streaming networks. 
But Quibi is going to be, again, a new streaming service. We haven't really talked a lot about it. We will continue to talk about it a little bit. But nevertheless, it is going to offer you a 90-day free trial, which, I again, I, I mention a lot, but make sure you do take the free trials. Uh, 90 days is obviously three months' worth. So Quibi is really expecting people to... They're going to have, the, and it's an interesting approach because, again, they're expecting you not to know what it is, but once you are, they hope that they get you hooked. We'll obviously talk about that when they have their release in, in HBO Max and all that. We'll obviously talk a little bit more about the other elements of the streaming wars, but that's it for today's episode. As I mentioned, our next episode will dive into the coronavirus's effects on the streaming wars. Does it help? Does it hurt? Where does it help and hurt? Is it certain companies that are going to be hurt more than others? And again, what does this actually play into effect? Of course, we'll talk a little bit about the coronavirus and unfortunately its effects um, in everyday life as we go past, not just, of course, next episode, but as it still plays an effect and hopefully it's shorter rather than, uh, it's, it's sooner rather than later that we continue to, to kind of talk about it, but not as much as in the future weeks so we can hopefully move past it. But again, hopefully we will have some more content out, uh, obviously for you listening, because again, we know that um, obviously some people are self-quarantining and, and obviously if you're just staying at home and trying to limit your uh, communication outside. So again, we'll, we'll try to have some more content. So again, we can help you through this streaming service process. Again, that's it for the Dreaming Wars podcast right now. We'll obviously have that episode up soon. And of course the coronavirus and everything else will be up, um, in due time. So again, that's it for the Dreaming Wars podcast until next time.